everybody. Welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. The band is back together this week. I am one of your co-hosts, as usual, Jeff. And after a uh, brief respite last week, he's back once again, is my co-host, as usual, Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing? Hey, man, it's good to be back. It was just was, uh, I was on, basically I had some surgery. I was doped up pretty good on uh, some pain meds and whatever they knock you out with in surgery. And I was in no position to do the show. Although some people commented that it really wouldn't be that much different than usual. So, Well, I don't know if you listened to the show last week, but we had a new member of the show, the Pronouncetron 1000, came on to help me with a couple of Hawaiian words. Watch <laughs> out because Pronouncetron is coming for your job. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I haven't gotten a raise in two years, so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's start off as we always do. We've got some uh, some little things from around baseball that we want to talk about first so that we can warm up for the main game. So let's get right into our BP segment here. So we're recording this on Sunday the 13th, and there was some actual history that happened already today. So I wanted to get that in because this is a baseball history podcast. Today at Fenway Park, the Blue Jays hit eight home runs in one game. Wow. That is the most by any visiting team in a single game at Fenway in the history of the ballpark. So coming wow. into today, the, the old record was seven, which had been done a couple of times. It, the Orioles did it in 1967, and the Yankees did it in 1961. But now that has been bested by the Toronto Blue Jays, who hit eight today. That's a lot of home runs. <laughs> yes, that is plenty. That's enough for a, a few days, actually, or a road trip. You're right. You go on like a seven or a ten-game road trip. If you hit eight home runs, you're going to be probably pretty happy with that. But they did it all in one day at Fenway. So congratulations well, to them. Well, well done, Blue Jays. Way to get the stick on the ball. My gosh. All right. So Bartolo Colon. First of all, have you ever met anybody that does not like Bartolo Colon? Well, he's still pitching. I mean, we talked about this a while ago. He is pitching down in the Mexican League this year. Not only is he pitching, but he's pitching very, very well at age 48. He threw a complete game this week. He is now 3-1. He started five games this year. He's got a 3.56 ERA. One complete game, like I said, he, he threw that this week. In those 30 and a third innings, he struck out 19 and walked 7. He's got a whip of 1.2. And I don't know how some team legitimately does not have Bartolo Colon just eating up innings on their staff. Yeah, no kidding, that's what he was always available for. I mean, he was a good pitcher too. No, no doubt about it. He was young, solid. Yeah. But man, he was, yeah, he was going to give you innings, man, no matter what. It was great. He was a, he was a, a workhorse. Still is. Yeah. Yeah. So he is on the Monclava Steelworkers, which I'm guessing the town of Monclava has a thriving or at least used to steel business. They are in first place in the North Division of the Mexican League with a 14 and 6 mark. I was looking at the Steelworkers, and they've got a pretty loaded lineup. First of all, they've got Chris Carter, who is, he's one of my favorite players. He came up with the A's, does nothing but hit home runs. He's, he's been in the Mexican, yeah, he's been in the Mexican League for a couple of years now. He's only 34 still, but he's hitting 300. He's got three home runs, which is that, oh, it's only eight. He's only played eight games. So three home runs in eight games is a pretty good total. But also some other names you recognize from the major leagues, Eric Ibar, Danny Espinoza. Unfortunately, Addison Russell is still working. He's only 27, but he's just, we don't like those kind of guys. Uh, also on this yep. pitching staff, Al Albuquerque is still kicking around in the Mexican mm, I remember league. Him. Yeah. Sure. Ryan Verdugo, Zach Phillips. I mean, there are, there are some legitimate teams here that have a lot of major leaguers or guys that have seen, you know, significant time in the major leagues in them. I love to just right. click on these rosters and just see who is still playing down in Mexico. Somebody signed Bartolo. Maybe as a DH, even. Don't even need him run. to pitch. That's a career home run. Yeah. I mean, come on. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I saw this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you a question, and I'm going to tell you part of the answer right off the bat. Okay, who do you think franchise-wise in the history of baseball 
of teams of franchises that are still playing today has the worst winning percentage. Now, Ooh. before before you answer that, I will tell you it is not the Mariners. The Mariners are tied for third. But okay. <laughs> who I'm do you think who do you think has the the worst winning percentage? Okay, since that's a that's a good question, man. I'm going to go with the Mariners. Oh wait, you said they were third. <laughs> yeah, they're they're tied for third. They're tied um, for third with the Rockies. Texas Rangers. Texas Rangers are seventh. Actually, they're sixth okay. because of that tie. I ask this, and you got to check this every day because the bottom two teams are changing uh, position almost every day. Currently, the worst team winning percentage wise uh, that is still playing today are the San Diego Padres. Oh, okay. They are a .462. They have a .462 winning percentage. The Miami Marlins today, going into today, Sunday, have a .463 winning percentage. So those two teams ah. have been swapping back and forth. And definitely the Padres have a lot brighter future. I mean, the Marlins are okay. They've got some young guys, but the Padres, I mean, they're... Yeah, they're stacked. <laughs> they're favored to be oh, in the wow. World Series this year. So I'm going to go ahead and give them the the nod. That's interesting. Who do you think is the winningest team ever? Um, the Yankees. Yep, you got it. 0.569 winning percentage. The Giants are the second followed by the Dodgers. Both of those teams, of course, started in the 1880s. Right. And the, actually, oh, look at that. The Cardinals are fourth, and they started they started in 1882, the Giants in 1883, and the Dodgers in 1884. All right, so let's, we do need to talk about the Mariners really quick. Um, and somebody okay. that is not on the Mariners currently, he's back down in Tacoma, but Jared Kelnick, uh, his <laughs> prodigious hitless streak reached 39 before he finally got sent back to the minors to try and, I would assume, uh, get the uh, the train on the right track down there. Uh, Chris Davis, of course, a couple of years ago, he currently owns the longest hitless streak by a non-pitcher. He went 0 for 54 with the Orioles, but that was over two seasons back in 2018 and 2019. Right. Eugenio Velez went 0 for 46 during the 2010 and 2011 series. But according to Elias, the longest in-season streak, meaning just in one season, was uh, Craig Council in 2011. He went 0 for 45, as did Dave Campbell in 1973 and Bill Bergen in 1909. Logistically, though, if, if Kelnick comes back and goes takes the caller in two games, he might equal that mark. That's He is not far away from that, but... He's, he's supposed to be the big thing, though. He's their number one prospect. Yeah. So we'll see. I think he hit a home run against the A's this year. Well, Mr. Kelnick hit one uh, in AAA today. So maybe we'll turn it around. All right. You know, I completely forgot to do debuts last week. I was I was so oh. I was so this is going to be a short show and I forgot to do debuts. But uh, I do want to do debuts. This show is dropping on June 15th and there is really only one debut that I want to talk about. I mean, you could put you could put a bunch of people who we would want to talk about that debuted on this day, but this one person would probably I think overshadow them all and we just talk about him anyway. And he had a day all to himself last week. Today on June 15th, 1923, Lou Gehrig made his major league debut. Henry Lewis Gehrig, uh, total all-out legend. I mean, we've talked plenty about Lou Gehrig. We've talked about Wally Pip and kind of uh, urban legend of a headache and what it actually was. We're not going to go over too much of his, you know, his career. We're going to, I did see some things here I wanted to talk about more in line of what we really like to talk about. And that is that Gehrig starred in a film in 1938 called Rawhide, in which he played himself. Really? Which Rawhide <laughs> to me says, okay, well, it sounds like it's a Western. How would you play yourself? Well, the, the story was that Gehrig quit baseball, gives up life in New York, and goes to a ranch. Uh, I'm not sure where the ranch is, somewhere in the West, that uh, all these ranchers are being extorted by these uh, racketeers. So he teams up with a local attorney to fight the crooks and to put them in jail. I have not seen this movie, but I kind of want to. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. Jeez. 
starred as himself, uh, which is very interesting. Also, a couple other things. Uh, of course, there's been several movies that where people have portrayed him. Also, in the video game Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, one of the characters makes a trade for a baseball card signed by Lou Gehrig. I'm not familiar with that one. I have the poster for it, but I've never played the game. Oh, really? The poster's cool. Yeah. Lou Gehrig in the poster? I'm guessing not. No, he's not. (laughs) All right. Well, Lou Gehrig made his debut, of course, today in 1923. Kind of a big deal. All right, Mark, I asked a trivia question last week of which you are. I don't know if you if you heard it or not. Uh, I will repeat the question here, see if you've got an answer, and then I will share it with everybody else. I ask which franchise has been in both the American League and the National League, as well as all three divisions in one of those leagues. Wow, that's interesting. I have no idea. All right. Well, we had some listeners that did. First of all, the correct answer is the Milwaukee Brewers. That makes total sense now. Yeah, well, I mean, this was this was the thing that kind of uh, tripped to me the first time I read this was, well, when were the Brewers in the American League West? Right. But if you remember, the Brewers franchise, and I did say franchise, started out as the Seattle Pilots for that one lone season. And they, of course, were in the American League West, thusly fulfilling all of the qualifications. Let's give a shout out to some of our listeners, Andrew Harner, Chris Cook, Don Sherman, and Brian Krause all came in. I thought I was going to really stump some people on that, but our listeners are a little bit too sharp for for things that stump me. I (laughs) didn't stump them. Our listeners are pretty smart and and makes me wonder what it would be like to do a show for dumb people. Uh, It might be a lot easier than, than this one. I think we just do it for ourselves then, right? (laughs) whatever makes me laugh should make dumb people laugh exactly i I love it i post these episodes at midnight on tuesday we have answers in our dms already by the time i wake up on tuesday morning so that is thank everybody that listens and especially those that you know listen to it right away and get get right back to us that's really cool we really appreciate it yeah that's awesome we, you know, and we really do appreciate our listeners. Anybody that wants to tune in and listen to Jeff and I babble about baseball, you guys are very tolerant, very nice people. All right, so I got a new trivia question for you. I feel that this one could be kind of open-ended because it could change by the time that we talk again next week. My question for you is how many players that have played in the big leagues this year, so that means they have appeared in a ball game in 2021, had fathers who also played in the big leagues. Mm-hmm. So not not brothers, not cousins, not mothers, I, I don't know, or sisters, but fathers who played in the big leagues. So obviously, you know, you've got the big, the big names. You've got Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you've got Kevin Biggio, Fernando Tatis Jr., Bo Bichette, you know, you've got those big names. But how many other guys have played in the big leagues this year whose fathers also appeared in the big leagues at some point? I'm looking for a number. You don't need to you don't need to list out all of the names. I've already done that myself. Let's let's get a number and see who can get that correct. What if you had to guess, Mark, where whereabouts would you put that? Twelve. Twelve. Okay. That's a number. I mean, I I already gave you like six of them, but you know, okay. (laughs) I figure you wanted to get those names out there, so you know the rest got to be smaller time. So oh, it's uh, twelve. Okay, it's a it's a it's a number. All right, so we'll uh, we'll give you that answer next week on our show. So Mark, I am going to hand it over to you now. All of the all of the Mark stands that listened to our show last week were very very upset that there was no uh, no Mark. But let's go ahead. I'm going to hand it over to you, and uh, you can talk about our subject this week. Right. Well, uh, first of all, Jeff, have you heard of a guy named Tom Drees? Uh, you know, I think I've heard that name. I couldn't tell you if he was a lounge singer or a baseball player. So I'm going to I'll go ahead and say no. Well, we do do a show on lounge singers, but that's not this <laughs> that's show. Not nearly so, as popular. I actually remember Tom Drees because he was on a Dan Howitt card, 90 Fleer. And it was a, it was one of those double rookies, Dan Howitt, Tom Drees card. And I didn't know a whole lot about him. And he, I heard someone mention this interesting feat that he did. And I thought, man, I do remember something about this. So I thought I'd look it up. And uh, let me tell you something. Tom Drees, his uh, time in the big leagues, 
doesn't really speak volumes of how dominant of, of a pitcher he could be. In 1991, at age 28, he came up and uh, pitched for the White Sox for four games. 7.1 innings, and he gave up four home runs and 10 earned runs. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is it for Tom Drees. So we'll turn it over to you, Jeff. <laughs> Just kidding, man. Um, <laughs> so nothing to show really in the big leagues. But he did happen to do something pretty impressive. We talked about Johnny Vandermeer and his consecutive, his back-to-back no-hitters. Well, in the minor leagues, Mr. Tom Drees did the same thing. And in fact, a few months later, he threw a third no-hitter. Wow. So we're talking about three no-hitters in one season by Tom Drees of the Vancouver Canadians. So uh, the only people to throw three no-hitters in a single season is a guy named Bill Bell who tossed, uh, he threw three no-hitters in 1952 for Bristol of the Appalachian League. Okay. I don't recall going to see any of those games or seeing them on TV. But uh, in 52, there was no ESPN. Um Walter Justice threw four no-hitters in 1908 for Lancaster of the Ohio State League. So those, uh, those are the only people in the same category as Mr. Drees. Uh, here's how it went about. His uh, first two games, his first two no-hitters, this is May 23rd and May 28th, and they were both 1-0 to zero wins, uh, interestingly enough. May 23rd, he takes the mound. And he throws the first no-hitter of his career. Interesting comment. He said, I realized I had a no-hitter going in the first inning. As a pitcher, I never believed the guys who said they didn't know they had a no-hitter going. How do you not know you didn't give up a hit? I knew where I was right away in each game and facing each hitter. So, you know, I've always wondered that too. These guys, I didn't even know. I didn't even think about it. Well, maybe they didn't, but that takes a special personality to be able to pull that off. There was a couple of close plays. He had a couple of pretty good players. Uh, Mike Kingery was uh, drove one pretty deep, and a guy named Lance Johnson ran it down. One and, dog. And pulled in. <laughs> the one dog ran it down and, and uh, kept it from being a hit. And also, there was a, he said there was a, a ground ball up the middle on our shortstop, Keith Smith, was a great defender, and it's a play he made nine times out of ten. Uh, they ruled it an error. So there was a couple of close ones, but he did end up with a one-to-nothing no-hitter. A second no-hitter, five days later, they're playing Edmonton. The Trappers? Um, that's right. Uh, this one has a little asterisk next to it in that it was part of a doubleheader. Uh, the major leagues do seven-inning doubleheaders now. The minor leagues have been doing them for years. So this was a doubleheader, and it was a seven-inning no-hitter. So you can judge that the way you want. It's just it's impressive to me because it was back-to-back. You know, I mean, regardless of how long, the, it's not his fault the game was shortened. You know, so he said in this game, the patron saint of two-strike noise, Mo Drabowski, oh. was the pitching coach. And he said, while I was warming up, our pitching coach, Mo Drabowski, came up and said, hey, don't even think about throwing another no-hitter. Nobody throws two in a row. Well, maybe Mo is a little bit prophetic. You want to hear more about, more about, I said Mo about, that's kind of funny. So if you want to hear more about Mo Drabowski, just go a couple notches back on two-strike noise, and, and Jeff does a, a great expose on Mr. Drabowski. After the second no-hitter, they were celebrating out on the field, and um, they found out that the White Sox had just called up Greg Hibbert, a different lefty starter. And Dries said, we were celebrating and giving high fives, but Hibbert didn't want to tell anyone because he was embarrassed after I had just thrown back-to-back no-hitters. So that must have been kind of rough. You go out, you go 16 innings, no-hit ball, and they call up the other guy. But not that Hibbert wasn't a good ball player. He really was. The third no-hitter, though, this has some interesting players in it. So he was facing the Las Vegas Stars this time, and they had a lineup that included some pretty good names that you might recognize, like Carlos Baerga or Carlos Cheese Baerga. I knew you were going to go there. Sandy Alomar, uh, Shane Mack, Thomas Howard, Gerald Clark. Tough lineup to face that day, and he still threw a no-hitter. So that was pretty impressive. That was the, uh, the Stars team with Keith Comstock on it. He of the famous Stars uh baseball card where he's taken oh, one in the midsection. That's right. Yeah, a classic. Well, he finished the year uh, 12 and 11 with a 3.37 earn run average and a 1.271 walks and hits to innings pitched. In his 168 innings, he walked 72 while striking out 66. Wow. You might get called up. <laughs> As you can see, he's it's not like he had overly dominant stuff. Yeah. You know, he just uh you know, however he did it, he figured out how to do it. 
the third no hitter, though, uh, he didn't get a call up after that either. And he says, and a lot of other people say, is because of an event that happened earlier in that season. Um, the Canadians had actually forfeited a game on July 6th. What had happened was they were in Albuquerque and they had been waiting for their paychecks for a few days. They're due July 1st and it was July 6th. And they said, we're not getting paid. We're not playing. They staged a one game walkout and it was not really looked highly upon by the White Sox uh, brass about this. Mr. Dries said it was frustrating because I was having the best year of my career. And I was getting partially punished because the whole team was getting punished. It was my first year in AAA, and we had a lot of veteran guys in their 30s who organized it. I don't think anyone thought that it would be a big deal at the time, but it turned out to be a big deal. I have no recollection of this, but it is, uh, it's interesting that he says it was a lot of veteran guys. These guys are the minor leaguers who are barely scraping by, guys, in their 30s, still hoping, you know, holding on to the dream. So I can understand these guys have families. These guys need to collect their paycheck. You know what I'm saying? Why did Hippard get called up though? He was younger by a couple of years, but like, did he, was he not there at that point? Um, he was, he was at the second no hitter. He, he got called up after the second one. Mm. So uh, he had, I guess he wasn't around for that. Yeah, maybe. Mr. Dries finished the, the year very solidly. Can look back and say, I got three no hitters all in one season, one more than Johnny Vandermeer. Um, you can say what you want about, seven inning game or about it being the minor leagues. This is a, this is still an amazing feat. Impressive. And I don't know a lot of people that knew about it, uh, especially me. So there's the story of Tom Dries and the three no hitters. I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at the roster from that year's uh, Vancouver Canadians team. Some good names there. You got Lance Johnson. You already mentioned Carlos Martinez. I remember him. Uh, Billy Joe Robidoux was there. Just a fun name to say. Sammy Sosa. A 20-year-old Sammy Sosa only appeared in 13 games, but he hit 367. Wow. But only one wow. home run. And, I mean, that was long before any steroids. Uh, also, you had Blackjack, Jack McDowell, a 23-year-old who went 5-6 and six with a 6.13 ERA with a plenty <laughs> of walks. Not as many. Uh, he had fewer walks and strikeouts as opposed to Tom Dries, but still a lot of walks there with that team. This is fun, just clicking clicking through these rosters. <laughs> yeah, sure. Billy Joe Robito was a pretty big prospect. Yeah. Oh, he was. Day. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I, I remember. I, rem- I think it was with, didn't he come up with the Brewers eventually? Let me see here. He did, yes. He was a Brewer. And I remember the, um, I think it was 89 Flair. No, it was 90 Flair. And it was him and a guy named Mark Funderburg, because I always thought the name Funderburg yeah, was pretty sweet. Name. Yeah. Boy, did it was he, uh, another one of those uh, dual rookie cards. Well, he was a rookie in 85. Might okay, not. so maybe 86. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> get a little mixed up. Boy, he struggled in the bigs. Six years, overall average of 209, an OPS plus of 65. Ouch. We talked about 4A players earlier. I mean, he, in the, in the, in the minors, four seasons in AAA, he hit 293. And had an OPS of 892 in, in four seasons. 339 in two seasons in double. I mean, he did nothing but hit in the minor leagues. But yeah, just yeah. nothing in the big leagues. Yeah, great 4A player. All right. Well, they, that I did not know about uh, Tom Dries. I, I, I now have looked up his card that you mentioned with Dan Howitt. Because we have talked about Dan Howitt before. Because I liked Dan Howitt. And wasn't he in, in well, Tacoma with you? Uh, yeah, I knew Dan Howitt kind of well. He was a pretty quiet guy. Um, but he also has a history uh, with Nolan Ryan being the last hit, and it was a home run off of Nolan Ryan, the last hit Nolan ever gave up. All right. There you go. Tom Dries. Tom Dries, folks. There you go. All right. Thank you very much. Let us now. We, I did something a little different last week uh, for Wax Packs Heroes. I had a bunch of loose singles that had been, generally when I order these cards for this segment i get because i order quite a bit they throw in extras whether they be extra packs or as i described just a whole bunch of loose singles so i divided those up into a couple of piles last week and we were going to each grab one and, and go through it and it was pretty fun because we got some names uh, i got some names that we normally don't get but this week uh, i have got a rack pack 
1988 tops. So I'm going to just take two of the three packs and we're going to go and we're going to choose these. Now we're going to count this as an, as an exhibition because we, we wrapped up the season two weeks ago. You are a two time defending champ. And I think we need to tweak the rules a little bit and we need to think about it and maybe get some input from, from our listeners. Uh, This is, we're going to treat this one as just an exhibition match and uh, maybe, uh, maybe let's hand out a couple of extra points of war if you've appeared in a Seinfeld episode, we're going to give you an extra tenth of a point of war. If you're batting without batting gloves, we're going to give you an extra tenth of a point of war as well. This is an exhibition, so let's see how it goes on this week's edition of Wax Packs Heroes. Wax Pack Hero! Gotta pull a Wax Pack Hero! All right, Mark. So I got these two. Uh, I got these two eighty-nine tops. Um, you want the one on my left hand or my right hand? Well, right was so lucky for me last season. It's an exhibition. I got to go left. Okay. All right. So uh, if you're new here, what we're going to do? We're going to open these packs of cards. We are then going to look these players up on Baseball Reference, and we are going to take their WAR total from the year the cards are from. So in this case, 1989. And we're going to add those up and see who has the most. We've got a couple of extra rules. If you've got a mustache, you're going to get an extra tenth of a point of war. If it's a really good one, we're going to give you an extra two tenths of a point of war. If you are wearing glasses of any sort, uh, whether they be swimming goggles or flip down sunglasses, we're going to give you an extra tenth of a point of war. If you have got a sweatband on that has got your caricature, your jersey number, or a corporate logo that is not a sporting goods manufacturer we're gonna give you an extra tenth of a point of war if you're wearing real stirrups that we can see actual sanitary socks underneath them extra tenth of a point of war if you're wearing the two and ones we are going to minus a tenth of a point of war and finally if you are now a hall of famer you're going to get a whole point of war and as i mentioned earlier we're going to try a couple of new things on this exhibition game if you were ever in an episode of seinfeld extra tenth of a point of war and if you are batting with no batting gloves Let's say let's say two tenths of a point of war if you're batting with no batting gloves, one tenth of a point if you've just got one on. So, (laughs) okay. (laughs) All right. So we're going to start off here. Uh, You're going to start off with a guy that we've talked about before. I really uh, remember him as a twin, as he is here, also as a Red Sox. It's Bruno Tom Brunanski. Tom Brunanski. Yeah, he had some pop, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And he also uh, had a had a pretty light mustache, but it's a mustache, but it is there. Let's see. Uh, Brunanski was on that 87 Twins team that won the World Series in uh, 1988. I think I might have been saying 89. These are actually 88 tops cards. My, my mistake there. In 1988, he split time. He was traded from the Twins to the Cardinals and actually played 143 games with the Cardinals. So this was not a deadline deal. This was... Uh, April deal, apparently. Uh, overall, had a pretty good season. Uh, 115 OPS plus for the year, and that equates to a war of of 0.8 right off the bat there. Now, he does have uh, a mustache here, so you're going to get a 0.9 out of that. Um, I do not recall him ever being on Seinfeld, though. No, I don't believe so. <laughs> not every player was. No. <laughs> All right, next we've got a Pittsburgh Pirate. It is Darnell Coles. Darnell Coles was a Mariner for a while. Yeah, I seem to remember him on the on the Mariners. Uh, let's see, Darnell Coles in 1988. Uh, again, split time. He started the season with Pittsburgh here and then ended it in Seattle. And uh, gotcha. it was okay year. He definitely played better in Seattle than he did in, in Pittsburgh. Ended up with a 115. OPS plus, not bad. He, wow, RBI-wise, almost exactly the same. But uh, in Seattle, he hit much better. Almost hit 300 in Seattle. Had a 136 OPS plus. Let's see, 1988, that equates to a war of 1.3 plus a mustache. So that's a plus 1.4. I'll take it. Thank you, Darnell. Darnell, also in the news recently, the Diamondbacks. Fired uh, their hitting coaches, Eric Hensky and Darnell Coles. And you can't fire the players. 
Yeah, they uh, were having a little bit of a rough stretch, uh, 5 and 30, <laughs> dating back to the 4th of May. Yeah, Boy, that's rough. They are not. I think they, they've only won like three or four games on the road or something. Uh, I mean, they've yeah. been really bad. Also, uh, apparently played in uh, Japan. Played for the Hanshin Tigers in 1997. Did he play in Denmark? Because that's what really matters. No, they don't play to... baseball. They play that other game. I forget what it's Metric called. Metric football? No, it's it's a it's a it's a very uh, very uh, Nordic name. But it, you run the bases backwards and you play it in the gymnasium. Kind of, it's it's really strange. Uh, okay. All right. So you are at two point three. Next, we've got a guy. I mean, I think we've talked about how often we've gotten this guy. He's the quintessential Expos pitcher. It's it's Bryn Smith. Oh, sure. At least I'm going to get a mustache. Out oh, of yeah. This. You're definitely going to get a big mustache, a uh, big mustache bonus out of this one. Big bushy beard and mustache. 1988 went 12 and 10 for the Spos. Not bad. 3.0 ERA had one complete game and uh, struck out 122 and 198 innings. All of that equates to a war of 2.3 plus the beard mustache combo is a 2.4, and that will double your total for this round at 4.7. We've talked about Bryn enough times. I think we can move on to Cleveland's Brooke Jacoby. Oh, be sure. Now, I'm surprised he hasn't come up more. Uh, Yeah, I'm not sure if if we've had Brooke before. Played for 11 years in the big leagues. Nine of it was with Cleveland. In 1988, had uh, had a pretty Brooke Jacoby year. 241, 300, 335 was his slash line. That only equates to, actually, it's probably one of his worst years. <laughs> only equates to a 77 OPS plus. And uh, that equates to a war of 0.5, though. Uh, nothing else, though, is going to really get you anything uh, on this card. And again, not ever... Having appeared on Seinfeld will not help you. All right, next, uh, this is a good-looking card because it's Kevin Gross with the Phillies, and he's wearing that powder blue road uniform, which is really awesome. And you're going to like it because he's got a good mustache and he's got real stirrups on. But before we get to that point, let's talk about Kevin Gross. Sure. So Kevin Gross in 1988, he was an all-star that year, the only time he made the all-star game. Also led the league in walks and hit batters. So he had that going for him. 12 and 14, 3.69 ERA, and a 97 ERA plus. That equates to a war of 3.6, plus you're going to get those extra two-tenths of a point. So that is a 3.8. That's a good score right there. Well, interesting things about Mr. Gross that we, uh, those we have talked about. Uh, he was caught scuffing with sandpaper. He had sandpaper in his glove. He was suspended for 10 games. Mm. And since we were discussing no-hitters, Kevin Gross also Throw a no-hitter in 92. He was also named to the Ventura County Sports Hall of Fame in 2002. Congratulations. Okay, now you're talking. Yeah. Now you're talking. Oh, this is kind of interesting. In 1990, while Gross was pitching for the Expos in Los Angeles against the Dodgers, both he and Fernando Valenzuela hit homers off of each other in the same inning. Wow, that's awesome. Gross came up against Fernando and went deep. And then the next half inning, Fernando came up against Gross and said, take that. And he went deep. That's great. Yeah, that's kind of cool. All right, so you are at an even nine. And next we have got, we have talked about this guy before because he's just not your prototypical uh, walk machine, but it's Brian Downing of the California Angels. Brian 10 Downing Street. The Incredible Hulk was his nickname. Apparently, I don't believe we've ever talked <laughs> about awesome. that before. Uh, That's a great nickname. Just a walk machine. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see, 106 walks in 87 to lead the league. In 1988, an OP or an on base of 362. Not bad for a guy with the kind of pop he had. 25 home runs. OPS plus of 128. And that's going to be a 3.0 for you. He does have real stirrups on as well, though. So that'll be a 3.1. And that'll take you up to 12.1. What uh, of your career? Yeah, he was around for a while. Oh, we, we talked about this, I think. In 1985, Downing was in an uh, episode of The Jeffersons. He played himself when, uh, right. when, <laughs> when Luis sneaked into the Angels locker room looking for Reggie Jackson. That's right. We got to find that episode. Oh, uh, we did talk about that. We yeah, got to find do. that episode on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you are 12.1. Next is uh, 
one of those guys. He could have been a patron saint of the of this podcast, but Mo Drabowski is going to be there. There it is. Uh, here he is with the Padres, John Cruck. I loved John Cruck. Just a guy that had so much fun playing the game, you couldn't help but have fun with him. So nineteen, uh, you know, he only spent ten years in the big leagues. I would have, I would have guessed hmm. like fifteen or so. It seemed like he was around. I mean, you know, obviously a decade in the big leagues is very impressive, but sure seemed like he was around longer than that. Let's see, nineteen eighty eight was his final full season with the Padres. Had a good year. Never had a whole lot of pop. No, he did a few. Yeah, he did a few, but he was more of the. He had a lifetime average exactly at three hundred. This year had an OPS plus of 113, and that equates to a war of 1.3. Nothing on the card is going to get you anything. You know, if he would have maybe stuck around a little longer, maybe he would have been a good uh, good Seinfeld candidate. Seems like he yeah. fits, right? I guess you have to kind of be on a New York team, either the Mets or the Yankees, to, to really have been on Seinfeld. Right. I do remember seeing him on Letterman. He was a pretty funny interview on Letterman. Oh, boy. I'm sure Letterman loved him because he's a... A little portly. <laughs> you know? He's an American baseball player. We have him like that sometimes. I mean, he was so he, he was in a lot of kind of pop culture things, uh, as you can guess. He's been in several TVs, uh, TV shows and, and film, usually as himself. Most of them are baseball related. Apparently, he was in an episode of Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I don't remember <laughs> that. I, he voiced a role of himself, though. And was also That's in a great. Sawyer Brown music video round here, which is not the huh. uh, Counting Crows round here. Right. Obviously, since it's by Sawyer Brown. <laughs> but I still wanted to differentiate. All right. So you're at 13.4. Next, we get uh, outfielder for the Bucks, John Cangelosi. Well, we haven't brought him up uh, very often either, I don't think. John Cangelosi played for 13 years. He played longer than John Crock. Yeah. But uh, hmm. 1988, he spent with the Bucks. Uh, he was kind of a off the bench kind of guy. Only appeared in seventy five games, ninety three OPS plus, and that equals a point nine WAR. He does have a mustache though, so that'll get you right up to an even one and bring your total up to fourteen point four. I certainly appreciate the point one. I didn't want to have a, a below one score this particular card. I like to keep those even numbers. All right, next you've got a Hall of Famer, two thousand and nine yes. class. It is Jim Rice. Jim Rice, Mr. Power for Boston. Let's see, Jim Ed. We, I know we've had his card before. What a year in 1978. Name me an offensive category, and chances are very good that he led the league in it. Yeah. <laughs> led the league in games, <laughs> plate appearances, at-bats, hits, triples, home runs, RBIs, slugging, on-base, OPS, total bases, won the MVP award. But unfortunately... That's 10 years uh, earlier than the year that we are looking at, 1988, in which he led the league in none of those. So <laughs> he went from an OPS plus of 157 in 78 to in 1988, still at the age of 35, a 102 OPS plus. So, I mean, that's pretty good. Uh, I can deal with that. Yeah. 0.5 uh, war. He's got a mustache. That's 0.6. And then, of course, he's in the Hall of Fame. So you're going to get a 1.6 on that one. Nice. That'll bring you up to 16 even. Next, we have got outfielder, center fielder for the Twins. Also uh, with the Giants, it is Dan Gladden. Dan Gladden, man. I remember him. I remember him for both teams, actually. Twins and Giants. He had that. He had that stringy long hair. Yeah, always had some lettuce hanging out of the back. Nicknames: <laughs> Dazzle, the Dazzle Man, or Wrench. Curious. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't get those. I'd love to hear the stories behind him. Played for eleven years. He came up with the Giants, and then uh, of course eighty-seven came over to the Twins. He won two World Series with Minnesota in nineteen eighty-eight. Uh, had a pretty good year. It was an average year, 102 OPS+. plus. That equals a war of 3.5. Uh, he, of course, has a mustache. And you know what? I am... Nah, you know, I can't give you two on that one. It's it's just no. an okay mustache. It's close, but no cigar. Yeah, but 3.6 there for uh, for Danny G. I'm going to give him that, name, that nickname, Danny G. Danny G in the house. Oh, well, this is interesting. Gladden's daughter, Ashley, married the son of his former Twins teammate, Gary Gaetti. Hmm. 
That's pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you are at 19.6. Next, we've got, I think we had him, I had him last week because I mentioned that he was the uh, regional manager successfully of a uh, mid-tier paper company in Scranton, Pennsylvania. It's Mike Scott. Oh, one of my boys. There you go. Also mentioned uh, admitted cheater, Mike Scott. But uh, yes, uh, <laughs> great picture. <laughs> one of those guys <laughs> won a Cy Young Award, three-time All-Star, won an ERA total uh, title in 1986. In 1988, he went 14 and eight, not bad. 2.92 ERA. That equates to an ERA plus of 114, and that's going to get you 2.8 plus the real stirrups of 2.9 for uh, Mr. Mike Scott. Oh, Mike Scott. All right, next we've got for the Bucks. It is pitcher Jeff Robinson. Jeff Robinson. Didn't he also pitch for the Giants? Or that two? There were two Jeff Robinsons. I remember that. Let's see. Jeff Robinson. He pitched for the. Came up with the Giants, then the Bucks, then the Yankees, the Angels, and the White Sox. In 1980. I was thinking of. Wow, had a good year with the Bucks. 11 and five with a 3.03 ERA, a 112 ERA. Wow, he had some really good years. As a reliever. Yeah, he sure did. Those are wow. some, I mean, ERA plus of 139, 140, 136. Wow. Those are pretty impressive. Let's see. That equates to a war of 1.3. Nothing else is going to get you anything extra on that, but I, I could not have told you that he was that good. Yeah, no kidding. There Solid. All right. That brings you up to 23.8. Your next card is, wow, this is an interesting looking card, but I do not remember this guy. He was a outfielder for the Blue Jays, Juan Beniquez. Juan Beniquez. That doesn't sound familiar to me. Oh. Which now this is kind of weird because looking on the back of his baseball card, I can't read it because the print is so small. Which tells you that he was in the league for a long time. 17 years in the big leagues for Juan wow. Beniquez. Let's see. Of those 17, five with Boston, or I'm sorry, five with the Angels, four with Boston. Three with the Rangers. Then you've got Toronto, KC, New York, Seattle in, uh, when was that? 1980. And then Baltimore. So uh, 1988, that was his final year. He only appeared in 27 games. Still hit 293 and OPS plus of 112. Uh, I just, I can't believe that for somebody that was around that long, neither of us are familiar with him. But it played from 71 to 88. That's a long career. Nothing on this card is going to get you any extra points, but you're going to get a .2 war. Okay. Hit 359 while playing for the St. Lucie Legends in the Senior <laughs> wow. League in 89. I, am, I, I'm, I might need to find more out about this guy. I am very... Okay, we'll get to... <laughs> he, in 1971, he was Louis Aparicio's backup. Short. Wow, that just seems like a long time ago, doesn't <laughs> that it? Seems, I'm gonna. I want to do some digging on uh, on Mr. Juan Beniquez because that's incredible. All right, next we've got here's a very familiar face, a guy that came up with the Cubs but only spent one year there. Think of him more as a Blue Jay probably than anything, but also with Cleveland, it is Mr. Joe Carter. Joe Carter, of course, remembered in. Toronto for that amazing home run of his. Yeah, he knocked in Ricky Anderson from second in the World Series. Yeah, can't imagine you knowing that. <laughs> Let's see, with uh, Cleveland in 1988, he was 28 years old and had a pretty good season. Got some MVP votes, uh, knocked in 98, 27 long balls, had a 792 OPS plus for a 117 OPS plus. That is 3.2 war, and he's got a mustache, so that'll be a 3.3. That brings your nice. total up to 27.3 with one card left. Joe Carter, kind of a sad thing, four home runs shy of 400. Yeah, didn't we talk about that where it's like, why, just come back, somebody will sign you. Just, just Mr. Baseball it. Yeah, you know, just something. Come back in and get your last couple of hits, the last couple of home runs. All right, you're twenty seven point three, and your final card is Blue Jays pitcher Joe Johnson. Well, I'm drawing a blank on that one too. Yeah, that's a way to finish up strong right there. Joe Johnson played in three years in the big leagues, and 1998 was not one of them. But uh, you are going to get a tenth of a point from mustache. That'll bring your well, final total up to twenty seven point four. 
That seemed like a lot of cards. Yeah, that did seem. I, I thought that I by doing the rack pack, we'd get a, a fewer, but apparently 15 cards. Okay. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and open up uh, my part of this rack pack. All right, here we go. What was my I, score? 27.4. 27.4, okay. All right, so we've got our third Joe in a row, and my first one, it is pitcher for the Giants, Joe Price. Yeah, me either. (laughs) Uh, 11 years in the big leagues, though. Most of it with Cincinnati in the 80s. Uh, 1988, he was his final year with San Francisco's final full year. Went one and six, so not great. Uh, Ended up with an ERA plus of 84 that year. And all of that equates to a war of minus 0.7 for me so you finish strong and i'm starting off strong now he does have real stirrup so i am going to get one tenth so i'll only be at minus 0.6 just right off the gate next i've got a pitcher we've talked about quite a few times for the red Sox. oil can it's dennis boyd yeah he's a he's a favorite in wax packs heroes oil can of course we've talked about was uh, slang for beer he was a aficionado of beer 1988 with Boston, not one of his better years. He went nine and seven, but his ERA was north of five. Ended up with an ERA plus of 78 and a war of minus 0.5. <laughs> now, he's got a mustache. He's got real stirrup, so it'll only be minus 0.3. But I am going in the wrong direction here. I meant, Yeah, I meant, it's, uh, that's interesting. I don't remember uh, two negatives uh in a row, especially to start the pack. Yeah, Jeez. I'm at minus 0. 0.8 right out, <laughs> right out of the, the gate here. I, we've, we've mentioned this before. Two of Boyd's uncles played in the Negro Leagues for the Memphis Red Sox and the, uh, the Kansas City Monarchs. And he's also related to Barry Larkin. Yeah. All right, next. I'm not sure that this is going to help me a whole lot either. I do not know this guy with the Red Sox, Mark Sullivan. Wasn't he a professional wrestler? I think that's Kevin Sullivan. Oh, uh, okay, let's see. Sir. Mark Sullivan played for five years in the big leagues. 1988 was not one of them, unfortunately. He spent all five <laughs> in Boston, though, and ended up with a career slash line of 186, 236, and 258. So I could, oh, I guess I can't, I can't get any negative there. Unless they showed him wearing two and ones, which they don't. So that's just, that's a complete wipe there, which I'm going to take as a win because it's my first non-negative of the, of the pack. All right. Next we have got, I've got Billy Bean. Now I'm not sure. I cannot tell if this is A's GM Billy Bean or the other Billy Bean. Hmm. Yeah, it is. I believe it is not. Yeah. It's just B-E-A-N. All right. So Bill Bean, as he goes by, apparently, in uh, Baseball Reference, in uh, 1988 came up. It was his second year in the big leagues. He only appeared in 10 games and only hit 182. So I'm afraid this might go the wrong way again. Oh, his war is .0. So, and, and there's nothing in this card that is going to help me uh, get anything else. So once again, I'm going to take that as a win, as that is just a straight-up zero, and I'm still stuck at point, minus .9. Amazing comeback, Jeff. Yeah. Well, this isn't going to help. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard of any of these players. Uh, pitcher for the Padres, Jimmy Jones. Jimmy Jones. I, the only reason I remember him is that there was a Jimmy Jones in the Oakland organization at the time, and he was with the Tigers, but this one was a catcher. Didn't Jimmy Jones, didn't he, leave, didn't he lead the Cowboys to a couple of uh, Super Bowls? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's the same guy. <laughs> Wait, no, that's Jimmy Johnson. All right, close. <laughs> oh, oh, Let's see. Yeah. Jimmy Jones was in the bigs for eight years. 1988 huh. was one of them. Uh, 9 and 14 mark, 4.12 ERA, 83 ERA plus. He's got to have a positive war, right? Nope, minus 0.9. <laughs> This is, I'm glad this is an, this is an exhibition game where we have suited up none of our regulars. We have put all of our single A rookie guys in. I am now at a minus 1.8. I have not had anybody on the plus side. I I feel like I'm going to get some, some plus here. Finally, it is, uh, this guy is a catcher at this point for the San Diego Padres went on probably to be much more noted as a manager. It's Bruce Bochy. So I feel like. I might 
have a positive uh, until I, I looked remember. at him and realized that he retired in 1987. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, but Bruce Bochy always had a very nice mustache. Yes, and so nice, in fact, that I am going to just give myself two tenths of a point. <laughs> no, being familiar with Mr. Bochy, I'm not going to argue with you there. He always had a big bushy Tom Selleck one going on. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm going to, uh, as I said, Bruce Bochy, really much more known as a manager, I think, than a, than a player. Um, so I'm going to go ahead, and also known for just having a huge head, always <laughs> had a huge noggin. That uh, I remember at one point he was traded. I heard the story that he was traded during the middle of the season and he had to take his uh, I believe it was when he went to the from the from the Padres to the Giants, maybe. And he took his Padres helmet with him and they they just repainted it because they did not have a helmet that could fit his his size noggin. And wow. uh, so that's he, pretty impressive. Yeah, I, I got on the positive, at least his nickname, by the way, was Headley. Due to his unusually large head. Eight and one-eighth in measurement. All right. Next, I have got a Hall of Famer. It's a Hall of Famer that I do not like. It is a Hall of Famer that I have bad-mouthed on this show before. It is a Hall of Famer that I have bad-mouthed on social media within the last week. Here he is, though, as the manager of my favorite team. It's Tony LaRusa. Well, this is a manager card. So, of course, I'm not going to get any value out of it other than he was a Hall of Famer. Or is a Hall of Famer. So yes. I, I am going to get a plus one out of that. And I'm inching towards zero. I'm now at only minus 0. 0.6. I am not going to mention anything else about Tony LaRusso. I don't like to talk about him. All right. Next, we'll go on to a guy that probably could have, you know, could get work as a double for Frank Viola. Here he is with the Mets. So it even looks more like Frank Viola. It's John Mitchell pitcher for the Mets I don't know who that is but I don't either but uh if you if you can't picture him just picture a young uh, Frank Viola in a Mets uniform and and that's what you're looking at so 1988 he only appeared in one game for the Mets pitched one inning gave up two hits no runs though walked one struck out one and uh that equates to a war of 0.1 very exciting four Yes, he, he's got the faintest of mustaches, but it is there. So that's going to get me a positive point two. And I'm, I'm now only at minus four. Very exciting stuff. Next, we got a picture for the twins. Alan Anderson. Alan Anderson. Man, I don't know that one either. Uh, let's see. Alan Anderson. Yeah, I've got some good names in my pack here. Alan Anderson, though, in 1988. Get this. Led the lead. He won the ERA title in 1988. He went 16 and 9 with a 2.45 ERA and led the league in ERA plus with 166. Wow. Wow. Now, talk about a guy that put the ball in play. He pitched 202 in a third innings, only struck out 83, and only walked 37. Wow. That's impressive. <laughs> yeah, but I'm gonna get some I'm gonna get some war out of this. A war of 5.2. Whoa, whoa, there's your, there's your jump you needed. There I am. I'm up to a 4.8. But how does somebody that had that good of a year, the next year, he went 17 and 10 with a 3.80 ERA. How do nice. we not remember Alan Anderson? He had a short career is from what I'm seeing. Yeah, he did. He, he did not play for long. He, he burnt out. In this. And he's a lefty too. He only, only played for six years, all of it with Minnesota. Yeah. Hmm. All right, so I am at positive 4.8. Next, we've got a utility infielder for the Mets, Tim Tuffle. He was on that 86 team, I remember that. Definitely on that 86 team. Still in 88, he was with the Mets. Uh, like I said, a utility guy, a bench guy, only 273 ABs, a 93 OPS plus, and that equals a war of 2.5. He's got real stirrups on. Now I'm really rolling. Uh, so that'll get me a 2.6. And uh, that wow. brings me up to 7.4. Watch out. What's going on here? I thought I had it put away. See uh, what happens? <laughs> I needed to bring in a closer. I'm sure you're really breathing heavy here. Next. Uh, now, this guy, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm giving myself two-tenths of a point for this mustache. 
And uh, he's got quite the smirk on his face here. Here he is, pitcher for the Chicago White Sox, Ray Searage, who I think went on to become a pitching coach. I, I'll be honest, I don't know who that is. That name I, I seem to remember. I think he went on to, to, to be a pitching coach. We'll find out here shortly. Uh, seven years in the big leagues, 1988. Unfortunately, he missed the entire season. All I'm going to get are two tenths of a points. <laughs> you're, you're back on track, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Ray. Thanks a lot. Uh, went on <laughs> to be the pitching coach from 2010 through 2019 for the Pirates. Hmm. That uh, takes me to 7.6. Next, we've got pitcher for the Astros, Terry Poole. Terry Swimming Pool. I'm going to guess you're going to say. He was an outfielder, I believe. Oh, was he? What did I say? Pitcher? Yeah. Nope, you are we are 100% correct. He is definitely an outfielder. Yeah, lefty, not a whole lot in the way of power, but he could run. Yeah, look at that. Double digits in the first eight years of his career. I ended up with 217 stolen bases over 15 years. Spent all but one year in Houston, too. Yeah. Uh, 1988, he was 31 years old in Houston, appeared in 113 games, hit 303, a 395 on base. Not bad. Hit uh, wow. only three home runs, but he sold 22 bases and had a 131 OPS plus. This is going to help. 1.8. Mm-hmm. Nice. War. I'll, one, I'll of my, one of my 86 Astros, dude. Next with Atlanta, Gerald Perry, first baseman. Of course I remember Gerald Perry. Uh, was he the ref- nicknamed the refrigerator, right? Yes. <laughs> That's right. Gerald is a refrigerator Perry. That's right. <laughs> I don't think he had any appliances in his nickname. 1988 All-Star year for Gerald Perry with Atlanta. Hit 300 and had a 109 OPS+. plus. That equals only a .2 war. The defense had to hurt him there. Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> Nothing else I'm going to get any points off of there. That takes me to 9.6. Uh, next pitcher for the Cardinals. The very first, not it wasn't an 88 card that I did, but the very first baseball card I ever defaced was a Bob Forsh card. And here he is with the Cardinals. You ever defaced? Yes. I remember I drew googly eyes on him and uh, put a must like a devil mustache on him. I don't know why, but I did it. And I remember it specifically. It was a Fleer card. And it was probably like 1904, something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Don't ask me why. Bob Forsh, 16 years in the big leagues, 15 of which were with St. Louis. 1988, he was traded from St. Louis to the Astros. Overall, went 10 and 8 that year, 4.29 ERA. And that is going to get me a war of minus 0.3. He does have real stirrups, so it'll only be minus 0.2, but it's kind of fitting that my second to last card is a minus. It does fit the narrative. Bob Forsh pitched more than no one hitter for the Cardinals. He threw one in 1978 and one in 1983. His brother, Ken Forsh, also pitched a no-hitter, and they're the only brothers to have performed such a feat in the major league. That's amazing. There you go. See what you learn on here? That's amazing. Yeah. All right, so I'm at 9.4, and my final card, I only need, uh, let's see, 18 war even to tie you. You're right on there. Yeah. You're right on the edge. And and I don't think I'm going to get it from a pitcher for the Mets, Terry Leach. (laughs) Probably not. Nothing against Terry Leach, but I don't think he garnered that much war. Uh, probably total in his career. A grand fellow. <laughs> <laughs> 1988. Yeah. Let's see. It went seven and two uh, out of the bullpen, a 2.54 ERA and a 127 ERA plus. Uh, That's not bad. Let's see. That equates to. Okay, now I don't believe this. This equates to a war of 18.1. Wow, it, it, I can't believe it. Yeah. It, it, oh, what a, what a terrible thing to have <laughs> happen. A, I'm sorry, I read that wrong. It's only 1.3. Oh. Uh, he does have a mustache and he does have real stirrups, so that'll get me a 1.5. But that was that could have been that could be the worst pack in our the history of our game here. <laughs> that was a special pack. That was sure. especially awful, yes. That brings me to a total of 10.9. Nowhere near your 27.4. <laughs> Well, if it was just an exhibition game, you know, you were trying out really some was. rookies. And, yeah. Yeah. We, we were trying out some extreme shifts where we put everybody, including the catcher, to one side of the infield. And it just this, it just didn't work out. Yeah. But, that's You know, you got to try those out in the uh, lower minor leagues yeah. first. 
<laughs> really do. <laughs> All right. So uh, there you go. That is going to uh, put a cap on this uh, edition of Wax Packs Heroes. Uh, also going to wrap up the show here. I'd like to thank everybody for listening once again. If you want to catch more of us throughout the week, you can find us on the show on the social medias. We are on both Twitter and Instagram at Two Strike Noise. That is at T W O Strike Noise. We are also on Twitch. We are also on YouTube. There's a new guess that game on YouTube this week that was a lot of fun to do. Uh, go check that out if you haven't already. And uh, also, you can find us on uh, the internet if you want to just email us. Mark, you want to tell them that address? Sure. Spell it out. T-W-O, strike noise at gmail.com. Go ahead and write us. It's a pretty cool thing. It's all electronic and you don't got to put any stamps on it. Yeah, it's totally free almost. We're going to put the call out. If you've got a rule that maybe you want us to consider for Wax Packs Heroes when we start up the new season here, why don't you go ahead and, and, and let us know. Now, remember that most of the packs we open up are from the late 80s, early 90s. So saying if they're wearing a fighting necklace probably isn't going to, you know, we probably don't want to do that because those weren't around at the time where we opened most of our packs. But uh, if you've got a rule, let us, uh, you know, Give it to us, and, and we'll put it in the pot here, and we'll try to see if we can come up with some good new rules here when we get ready to start the new season. But, uh, Mark, I know you plan on being back next week. So do I. So uh, hopefully all of our listeners will, too. And uh, we'll see you again on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day. 